to log on at 11 Spurgeon Baptist Church's online presence during this current COVID season. We're going to uh, follow what has become our usual pattern for one of these things. So use a little liturgy just to hold everything together. Uh, everything in bold type, if you've got a print copy in front of you, that's what we say together. Everything in light type, I'll say on my own. Uh, if you're following on the screen, everything in yellow type is what we say together. So let's begin. In the beginning, before time, before people, before the world began, God was. Here and now, among us, beside us, enlisting the people of the earth for the purposes of heaven, God is. In the future, when we will have turned to dust and all we know has found its fulfilment, God will be. Let us pray. Loving God, you are faithful, just and forgiving. Help us now to grasp the greatness of your love. Where we have failed to love and loved to hurt, forgive us and heal us. Where we have scorned difference and have been indifferent to those in need, forgive us and heal us. Where we have spoken harsh words to others and have been quick to take offence ourselves, forgive us and heal us. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Hello. I wonder if you ever uh, read one of these, newspaper. Uh, I, I used to read newspapers an awful lot when I was younger. Uh, not so much now. Um, the reason for that is usually uh, the newspapers are full of bad news. It's always about disaster somewhere. I mean, this is this is an old MK Citizen, but the front page on this uh, is all about uh, fly tipping, uh, and that's something that really really irritates me when people throw rubbish down uh, and don't care. Uh, I mean, this is about throwing rubbish down an awful lot. I mean, it's like big trucks, big vans full of rubbish just dumped anywhere, and that really irritates me. So it's not good for me now reading newspapers because it just makes my blood pressure go up. I get angry. So uh, I don't tend to read newspapers quite so much. I mean, I guess most of you who are younger, you probably don't read newspapers like I used to. I guess you use uh, use a mobile phone or uh, maybe a, a tablet to get your news, if you get news at all. I know teenagers very often are glued to screens. Uh, I worry about that, you know, sometimes because there's so much, um, there's so much data gathered and people want to sell you things. So, and when it comes to news, I think people want to push certain things 
towards you. So we're we're less discerning, I think, about our news than we used to be. Um, like I say, I've chosen not to read the news as much anymore. I don't watch much news on the telly either. My most trustworthy source for news, I guess, is Radio 4 now. I listen to the Today programme for about half an hour at breakfast time. Uh, but that's about it, really. And when it comes to intercessions, the prayers of intercession, very often I'll go to I'll go to the BBC news website. I'll go to CNN uh, for American stuff. I go to the Hindu uh, newspaper website in India because I've got a friend who lives in India. Uh, and uh, when I went to stay with him a long time ago, I noticed he used to take that newspaper, the Hindu, and read it. It's like the Times in this country. Very good, uh, he said, for news and a balanced viewpoint. So I go to their website to look at stuff about India. And I've been having a look at that in the last week or two, especially with all this COVID stuff going on. So news. Mainly, I think the news that we get is bad news. I'm interested in good news as well. I wonder if there was a paper that produced just good news. I wonder if it would sell. Because that's the concern, I think. Lots of people have thought about that and they decided to probably it wouldn't sell. There's one newspaper I used to see uh, which was produced by the Salvation Army. Uh, when we get back into church, we will at some stage, see if you can find grace. You know, the older lady that sits at the back, there shouts hallelujah. See if you can find her and ask her about the newspaper called The War Cry. That newspaper was a really interesting read because they always found some way of reporting certain items of news in such a way that they could connect it with the gospel. And they were very good at finding celebrity stuff. Uh, not the sort of gossip that you read in on websites and in some glossy magazines, but celebrities that had bumped into Jesus and had discovered the truth that they were loved. And it wasn't to do with their fame and it wasn't to do with celebrity and it wasn't to do with the money that they had. It was just to do with the fact that they were them. And they discovered that they were loved for their own sake. That's amazing, isn't it? You're loved just because you are you. God loves you just because you're you. Uh, God loves me just because I'm me. Not because I'm the minister. Not because I do good things for him. Not because of anything, really, apart from the fact that I am me. God loves you just because you are you. God loves everybody like that. Your brother, your sister, your mum, your dad, your uncle, your aunt, your cousins, your grandparents, your friends. Wouldn't it be amazing if all the people that we knew knew that truth? that they are loved 
just because they are who they are. I could tell them, but I don't know who they are. You see them. You'll see them more often than I will. Maybe you could tell them that. Something to think about. Take care. The reading today comes from 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 to 22. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit, through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who disobeyed long ago, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah, while the ark was being built. In it only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolises baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand, with angels, authorities and powers in submission to him. How did you become a Christian? Why? Did you become a Christian? What difference does being a Christian make to your everyday life, to the way that you live now? Were you like me? Did you have some sort of Damascus Road type experience? Is there a moment in time you could point out where you know you made that transition from not being a Christian to being a Christian? Or are you like that friend of mine that I mentioned uh, last week, I think it was, who had been around church all of his life, really, uh, and just grew into faith and realised one day that he believed this for himself, not just because his parents or others were saying that he should. Um, it's your story. Uh, it's uniquely yours. Uh, and you must tell it in whatever way is appropriate for you. Uh, Live it. Live your story. Don't don't try and make it fit a mould. Uh, it's quite unique, unique to you. So I've got a number of things to say around this. Uh, four or five, um, definitely four, possibly five. We'll see, we'll see as the thing unfolds. The first, and they're all they all start with B. Uh, be prepared is the first one. Um, Reflect on your story. Think about it. How would you tell it if someone invited you uh, like I did at the beginning? I mean, we are immensely interested in one another. Uh, we like a human story. We're, 
We like to know what makes people tick. Uh, to put it another way, we're really nosy. <laughs> We, we want to know uh, about one another uh, and it, it doesn't matter really what the story is sometimes so long as it gives us an idea uh, about the person that we're interested in. People that know you uh, will be aware that you either go to church or that you have a faith or that you you know you profess to be a Christian and at some point they may well say to you how did this happen why are you a Christian uh, just think about how you might respond to that when I prepare people for baptism um, one of the things we'll talk about towards the end of the course uh, it's only a few weeks but one of the last things that we'll talk about is the possibility of the candidate giving their testimony, telling their story uh, in the service. And this can be this can be quite difficult for some because they're not used to speaking in public or they don't think their story is important or significant enough. But I can tell you now, friends, I could preach the most brilliant sermon in the world. Uh, and you know I am capable of that. Oh. Uh, but no one will remember a word of what I say on that occasion. Everyone will remember the testimony. Because the testimony is intensely personal. Uh, and it is, it is a story usually that most people could relate to in some way. And when I'm talking to people about testimony, conversion testimony certainly, uh, there is usually a pattern, um, what my life was like before I met Jesus, how I met Jesus, what my life is like since meeting Jesus. Uh, and that that's the sort of classic progression for uh, a conversion testimony. Uh, and <clears throat> certainly, you know, that, that pattern is recognisable and should be to you if you are a Christian uh, and will be recognisable to many that are accessing this service. Uh, of course, your testimony is not just about your conversion. I mean, people will wonder what difference does it make being a Christian? What difference does it make to the way that you live your life now? Uh, and you will have stories to tell about how God has sustained you in difficult times. Stories about how your faith has been a comfort to you uh, when life has not been easy or straightforward. You may even have stories to tell about how difficult faith has been in certain circumstances uh, and your desire to leave faith to one side because it really hasn't seemed helpful to you. And yet in all of that, you've had this sense of God somehow holding on to you. These are all stories about faith and they're stories that people are interested in and the stories that we should tell. Uh, we should tell them whenever we get the opportunity. So if someone were to ask you what difference does being a Christian make to the way that you live now, I wonder what you would say. So be prepared to tell your story. That's the first B. Second B, be accessible. 
I mean, this really is to do with thinking about the language that we use. Um, every interest group that you belong to will have its own language. It will have some some groups will have technical language. Um, <clears throat> Christianity, uh, faith that has technical language, and it's not always accessible to people outside, as it were. Uh, the army certainly was full of technical language and army speak uh, and if you were talking to people outside of the military you had to change the way that you spoke sometimes um, a lot of the time the technical stuff is a sort of shorthand uh, people know what words mean they're they're shortcuts to ideas uh, and philosophical um, background and all sorts of stuff. certainly in a church context and a faith context that's true um, so think about your language um, there, there are technical words that we use and again when we're when we wanted to talk to people about faith sometimes we'll fall into the technical terms without realizing we'll, for example we'll talk about sin and we'll talk about salvation sin and salvation are words that are hard for people outside of the faith community to understand uh, there are difficult for people outside of churches sin just means being naughty somehow um, some of you will remember me mentioning a chap called Francis Spufford uh, who wrote a book called Unapologetic which I thoroughly recommend to you um, it's a really good read an easy read uh, and he talks about this whole notion of being a Christian and sharing your, your story, your journey, uh, being able to say with you know conviction why it is that you believe what you believe. Uh, and when he talks about sin, he gives a, a very good definition, I think, and some of you will remember this. He talks about the human propensity to muck things up, and he doesn't use the word muck. That's my I've changed that word. He uses a word very similar. In fact, he uses a word that rhymes with muck. But it's a word we couldn't use in church because it would be too shocking for many. Um, well done, those of you that remembered what it is. And well done for the rest of you, <laughs> to the rest of you, because you've worked out what it is. The human propensity to muck things up. Um, that, I think, is a really useful uh, definition of sin. But other, other possibilities for us, that sense of rebellion, brokenness, missing the mark, messing up, those sorts of things, uh, those non-technical explanations of what sin entails, but the human propensity to muck things up. Um, that, I think, you know, encompasses all of that. Um, salvation maybe to talk about rescue that sense of being found uh, when you were lost uh, felt lost restored forgiven given a new chance a second chance set free uh, again you know, just think about the language that you're using be accessible when you speak about faith when you speak about uh, what it is that you found in Jesus Christ. Third B, be attentive to the person in front of you. Um, 
I certainly in, in years past uh, in a previous church, I, I just did a little course on sharing your faith, which centered around uh, your testimonies, as I'm saying now, and also uh, a handful of Bible verses. And uh, it was a good little course. It was called Each One Win One. And that was the hope that everyone in the church would feel confident enough to share their faith at least once with one person that they knew. <clears throat> and uh, one or two people did do that and they found it really very, uh, very good, I'm pleased to say. The mistake I made was to teach a method. And as I look back, I realised actually that wasn't quite the right thing to do. It was good to have, you know, it's good to have the story and it was good to have the, the verses. But the method was not the right approach. <clears throat> um, what we need to do, and, and again, um, Heather... Uh, sorry, Hannah Steele, that's the, the girlie that wrote the book. Hannah Steele's book is really helpful in this respect. You know, um, his story, our story, living his story. That book is really helpful because she encourages us to be attentive to uh, the people that we're with and be aware of what they're saying to us. So it's not just about us telling the story that we want to tell. And of course we want to tell it because it's important. Um, it is important to us. And in fact, it's the most important story that needs to be told to the world. Uh, and uh, Hannah Steele's approach is absolutely the right one, where you, you're attentive to the people who are in front of you. Um, know when to stop, friends. Uh, let the let the person you're talking to set the pace. Uh, let them invite you to say more if they want you to. Uh, don't think you've failed if you don't manage to get to the end of your story. Be ready to listen to the things that they are saying to you. Look for points of connection. What can you identify with in their story? Are there things in the story that you want to tell that might be helpful to them as they're wrestling with the things that they're wrestling with? So if someone talks about um, that sense of dislocation and being separated from God and from others, is there something in your testimony, in your story, that you could share that might help them to take a step towards bridging that gap? Um, what sort of approach might you take? Perhaps you would say to them, when I've felt lonely, this is something that I've found helpful. And then maybe share something about prayer and the way in which you engage with God when that has happened to you. Don't, don't manufacture anything. Don't you know make stuff up. Just think about your own experience of God and how God has helped you in a variety of situations so that you know going back to that first beat be prepared actually think about what you know of God and be ready to share that so be prepared be accessible be attentive uh, fourth B be respectful I mean this just follows on really from what we were just saying remember the person you are talking to and listening to is loved by God just as you are.
just as I am. So treat them and their story with respect and let them respond to the story you're telling as they want to. They, they may be very interested and want to know some more and they may invite you to say some more. Well, do so. <laughs> uh, they may not want to pursue this right at this time um, and they may just be uh, they may just be being polite and say to you, well, look, I've got time now. Respect that. Don't be pushy. Don't press anything. They might be angry. Don't be surprised. If they respond angrily to what you're saying. You can't know what was going on, what is going on in their life, unless you know them really well. Certainly around bereavement, I've, I've discovered that people can be very angry sometimes. Uh, angry with God. Why did God take my partner, child, parent, grandparent, friend? Don't be surprised. You know, you're, you're wanting to talk about a God that you know to be loving and kind and generous. And all they have is this notion that God has taken someone away from them. Very difficult when that happens. Just be patient uh, and don't panic. There'll be another opportunity, another time. Just pray for your friend. Pray for the person who's in front of you. And let God deal with them. Remember, when we're doing this, we're not we're not there to win an argument. Uh, we're just there to tell a story. That's all we're there to do. You can only speak about what you know. And that's all I want you to do. Just speak about what you know. You're not there to win an argument. You're just there to share your story. That's all. So be respectful. Um, last B which again is sort of a development of what we've just been saying. Um, let people be themselves and let them come to their own conclusions about what you're saying and what you're sharing. Um, the experience of Jesus is really fascinating and I would commend to you reading the Gospels just so that you get that sense of who Jesus is once again, especially if we've been around Christian things for a long time. Uh, <clears throat> just to go back and to read the Gospels again, read the life story of Jesus as the four Gospel writers presented to us. And notice what he does and notice how he is with people. Some people gladly and willingly receive him, don't they? <clears throat> and the, the message that he's offering uh, of repentance and newness of life in the kingdom of God. And one or, two, one or two don't. And watch what he does with the ones that don't receive him or don't you know, want to pursue what he's saying. Particularly the rich young ruler who clearly is a young man of some substance and he's interested in spiritual things and wants to know how to live appropriately. 
but just can't grasp what it is that Jesus is asking of him. Jesus doesn't run after him <clears throat> and say, well, I'll change, I'll change the message for you, or you maybe try this instead. He doesn't change anything about what he says. He doesn't run after the rich young ruler. He just loves him and watches him go. That's all we can do, friends, with the people that will come across our path. We'll, we must just continue to love them uh, and continue to pray for them and continue to pray for opportunities to revisit the story that we've been telling with them at some point when they're ready. And you can't know the effect that you have had with the person, um, not straight away. There are some people that take a very long time to come to faith. Um, we've talked about the Engel scale in the past, and I mention it again in this context. You know, if people move along the Engel scale, you know, from 10, no knowledge of God, no interest in the church, uh, along the scale towards one, thoroughgoing disciple of Jesus, you know, wanting to share the story. If they move from 10 to 9, that's evangelism. If they move from 9 to 7, that's evangelism happening. Uh, you have an effect. You won't know very often. You won't know what effect or what impact your sharing of your story might have had with the person you're speaking to. Just be faithful. Be faithful in your approach. Remember, just relax. I don't want you to try and do anything uh, that is beyond you. I just want you to relax. I want you to live as though, as though the gospel were true. So love God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and love your neighbour as yourself. That's what I want you to do. I want you to live as though the gospel were true. Now, here's your homework for this week. What practical way might you express God's love to a neighbour this week? Remember, this is part of living as though the gospel were true. What practical way might you show God's love to a friend or a neighbour this week? Thanks for listening. Let us pray. Thank you, Father, for the privilege and responsibility of intercessory prayer. Thank you that we've got the opportunity to bring our concerns for the world, for uh, our own circumstances for the people amongst whom we live, uh, to your throne of grace. Thank you that you're a God who not only hears our prayer, but answers it. We feel so desperately sad for the people of India who are suffering intensely at the moment um, due to high levels of COVID-19. We pray for the government uh, nationally and for all those who have responsibility across each of the different states in India for health care. We pray for doctors and nurses and others on the front line who are working so hard to try and alleviate the suffering of their people. Thank you that the, uh, the international community are awake and alive to the need of the people in India and are starting 
to do what needs to be done to bring aid to their door. We pray, Lord, that everything that can be done will be done. And we're so thankful for all that has been done in our own country to try and bring this under control. Thank you that we're beginning to open up a little more uh, in our country and that there are markers along the way so we can see that we're progressing. As we continue to progress in our country, help us to be sensible and sensitive to those around us. Um, when it comes to church and the possibilities of coming back together in larger groups, help us to be mindful of one another and aware that we'll all be moving at different paces. Uh, give us wisdom, Lord, as we look to the future and think about how we might all come back together uh, to worship you and to take the good news of your glorious resurrection out to those amongst whom we live and work and find ourselves. Uh, we pray for our government uh, and for all those uh, local uh, councillors who are offering themselves uh, for service, elections to be held uh, in the coming week, in the 6th of May. Uh, we pray for all those that have offered for local council and for uh, mayors and for police and crime commissioners. We pray that they will all have offered themselves for the right reasons because they want to serve. We pray that they will be the right calibre, that they will be of good character and that should they be elected, they will do a good job. We pray for our city. We pray for uh, MK Act. Uh, and their work of supporting uh, people experiencing domestic abuse. We wish that they weren't necessary, Lord, but we know that they are. And we pray for all those who are in fear in their own homes. For those who don't feel safe because of an abusive relationship, Father God, guard and protect such people, we pray. We pray for our own NHS staff, uh, all those that work in uh, hospitals and uh, uh, GPs, surgeries and pharmacies. We thank you for the network of healthcare we find in our country. We pray that we would never forget how fortunate we are to have such a network. And we ask that we might value those that work in that network. We were very focused uh, a year ago on all that they were doing. Uh, we pray, Lord, that we would not forget and that from time to time we would be very intentional about saying to those whom we know that work in the NHS, we really value what you do. Thank you. We pray for all those that work across the city to try and improve uh, relationships amongst different communities, for all the churches and other religious groupings that are uh, seeking to bring the good news of God uh, into the locality. We pray for good relationships uh, across the different church networks and indeed across the different uh, religions that are to be found in our community. Pray for the Alpha online course, which starts uh, on the 6th of May. 
We pray that all those that attend will discover a little more of you and indeed that many will take a step nearer to knowing you for themselves. Thank you for those that are organising the course. We pray that they might uh, find encouragement in all that they're doing. We pray for all those who are struggling with mental health issues. We ask that they might know your presence, your peace and your healing. We pray for those who are coming to the end of their lives. We pray for them and for their loved ones. We pray that they might know God's presence and peace. And we remember those who have been bereaved in our own fellowship. We think about family and friends, Dee's family and friends, David Brown's family and friends, Ron Mercer's family and friends. Life moves on for the rest of us, but for them, there's still work to be done. We pray for our friends, Lord, for those who have a particular need right now. So we pray your rich blessing on Chris, Ken, Graham, Adrian and Hugh, Eric, Les, Dot, Margaret and Bob, Dennis and Shirley, Richard, Thelma, Naomi, Peter and Sharon and Mary. Draw near, Lord, and bless them, we pray, uh, in Jesus' name. We say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We say the canticle together. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now go forth into the world in peace. Be of good courage. Hold fast to that which is good. Render to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the afflicted. Honour all people. Love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit rest upon you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.